What's up to my one family? Listen, I got to pause for the cause. Give a major shout out to one of. Listen to me. I mean this. I think it bothers him when I say this. I don't really care, though. (laughs) To one of the greatest leaders I'm aware of anywhere in the world. I've learned so much from this brother just in terms of our conversations. Some of his books, I believe, are some of the greatest, at least for me, the most impactful leadership books I've read. The 80-20 rule was a game changer for me. Building fantastic teams, incredible and insightful. So I get blessed by his giftedness, but then I'm also impacted by his genuineness. And uh, he's just a great blessing to me. And this is this is what I learned. I lost a really, really close friend of mine and ministry partner in October of last year. So this is this is what I learned. I learned that one time that that one time something's going to be the last time. You don't always know when it's going to be the last time, but one time something's going to be the last time. So whenever you got an opportunity to articulate what somebody means to you, how much you value them, it's important to do that. So I can hear him. I can hear him in his head. Now, that's enough, doc. That's enough, doc. Move on. Move on. No, you asked me to speak. I ain't done yet. So anyway, just much honor and respect to him. And uh, Jada is an incredible communicator, a leader, a, a worshiper just a triple threat. And so it's my honor to be here with you today to share God's word with you. And we're getting ready to jump into the word of God. Get ready. All right. So we are clicking, turning, watching. I'm kind of old school. I need a Bible like this with me because sometimes technology goes crazy in these exorcisms. So I want to read a brief part of a passage in Genesis chapter number 22, verse number nine. So a brief part of a passage, Genesis 22, verse number nine. We're, we're getting ready to uh, get some insight into an experience of an Old Testament biblical character named Abraham. We're going to learn some lessons from him today that we can apply to our own life. So this is what it says. Genesis 22, verse nine. I read from the New International Version of the scriptures. This is what it says, family. It says, when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged wood on it. He built an altar then arranged wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took out the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here am I, Abraham said. He said, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know you feel, fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son, your only son. So Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. So he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place. The Lord will provide. I want to tag a title to this text and I want to talk for a few minutes from this subject. Altered. Listen to me by the altar. Altered by the altar. Family, I want to begin our time together with a question for your reflection. Have you ever felt stuck? I mean, have you ever had experiences where you felt like you were unable to adjust, to adapt, to evolve or significantly alter your whole life or one specific area of your life? 
I'm attempting to explore whether or not you've ever had experiences where you have made promises to yourself about yourself regarding things you were going to do for yourself, but ended up disappointed in yourself because you couldn't keep your own promises to yourself. And if you've been in circumstances and situations like this, you would probably agree that it can be very frustrating and very discouraging, disconcerting and disheartening. Why? 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 Because many of us don't desire to change. Because we want to. Many of us desire to change some things because we have to. When I'm talking about change, I'm not talking about changing because it's nice. We don't want to change because it's nice. I'm, I'm talking about changing because it's necessary. See, I'm sure many of us recognize that an inability or an unwillingness to change doesn't necessarily affect our acceptance from God. There are no conditions that must be met for love from the Father. <laughs> That's what makes the love unique. That's what makes the love extraordinary. That's what make, makes worship the proper response to that love because it is the only place where I am loved without conditions, where I am loved by someone who created me, who knew me before I knew myself, who knew my weaknesses, my, my, my idiosyncrasies, my tendencies, and made a decision to love me anyway uh, with a agape love, a love that's a decision, a love of the will, a commitment to seek the highest good for me no matter what I do to him. So my ability or inability, willingness or unwillingness to change does not affect my acceptance when it comes to God. But it does affect the kind of experiences I have here on earth. See, in other words, we can ultimately end up living in a way that is far less than our creator's intention. See, if certain things don't change, it means that we end up destined and doomed to deal with certain dilemmas until we die. If we can't change, it means that we end up meandering through mazes of mediocrity, not fulfilling our human potential. If we cannot change and experience evolution, it means that we are unable to make the impact on the earth that we've been called and created and crafted and created to make. Because my impact on the earth is not just tied and tethered to what I do. Come on. My impact on the earth is also connected to who I become. It's not just what I do. <laughs> it's who I am. And our life's calling requires us not just to do some things, but to become someone. And we can only become that version of ourselves if we change. Let me give you another word that's kind of synonymous with, synonymous with change. It's growth. And I know many of us know what it's like to want to change something, to pray about it, journal about it, make affirmations or confessions about it, to acquire accountability partners to help us with it and still find ourselves in different seasons of life in the same state where that thing 
that area, that habit, that issue unaltered and unchanged. And we feel like, listen to this, feel like we're living a life of cycles instead of seasons. Pastor Darius, what's the difference? Here it is. Listen to me. Seasons change with time. Cycles change when we do. Have you ever felt like same thing, different year? Same thing, different decade? New season, feeling like an old season because I'm dealing with old issues? Cycles. And there's a difference between the two. But if you ever felt stuck or saddled or stymied or stagnant, I got good news. <laughs> Just because, listen to this, write this down for my note takers will probably type it down. You probably don't write. Here it is. Write it down. Type it. Take a picture. I don't know what. Here it is. Just because it hasn't been changed doesn't mean it can't be changed. I'm going to say that one more time. I want you to reflect on it. I want you to let it ruminate in the words of Martin. I want you to let it marinate. Think about this. Just because it hasn't been changed doesn't mean it can't be changed. You see, there are some issues that we deal with. I'll put it this way. All issues aren't created equal. Everybody got issues, but all issues aren't created equal. And there are some issues that are deep rooted, rooted in pain, rooted in trauma. Rooted in how we were raised, rooted in experiences that we went through that we were not responsible for and could not control. And these deep rooted issues are more stubborn, they're more obstinate, they're more difficult to address than others. And so when it comes to these kinds of issues, self dedication, self effort, willpower, human ingenuity will be insufficient to change it. You need some assistance that exceeds human effort. You know what you need? We need God. <laughs> uh, we need God. Not just books, God. Not just knowledge about God, but the presence of God. We, we, need, we need God. And, and I want to remind some today, inform some and remind others that God your creator, your architect, your designer, God is a change specialist. Don't miss this. He's a change specialist. All of the scriptures seem to corroborate this claim. He specializes in fixing things that previously could not be fixed, changing things that previously could not be changed, altering and adjusting things that could not previously be altered and adjusted. My goodness, all throughout scripture, we see powerful pictures of this. We see it primarily in the New Testament with Jesus, don't we? Because remember now, God is Jesus and Jesus is God and God sends Jesus so that we will have a picture of what God is like. Don't miss this. And Jesus was a chain specialist. Pastor Darius, how do you know? It's all throughout scripture. In Mark chapter 5, there was a woman who had an issue that she tried to alter herself. She tried to get medical help herself. The issue was an unending issue for 12 years. She went to doctors. She invested money. She went to herbalists. She did whatever she could and could get no help for her issue of blood. But the scripture said that she heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And she said to herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And she pressed her way through the crowd because 
because she didn't let people get in the way of her touching Jesus. That's a whole nother sermon. And she touched not just him. She touched what was touching him. She touched the hem of a garment. And the Bible says that an issue that went unaltered for 12 years was changed in the twinkling of an eye because Jesus is a change specialist. John 5, there's a man who has an unnamed issue for 38 years, 38 long years, wrestling with the same issue. Has an experience, an encounter with Jesus. (laughs) And what could not get fixed, gosh, in 38 years gets fixed in a moment because Jesus is a chain specialist. In Luke chapter 13, there's a woman who has an issue that has her bent over backwards. She's unable to straighten up. Have you ever felt that? Like I'm dealing with something and I can't straighten up. I want to live straight. I want to walk straight. I want to talk straight. Have you ever dealt with an issue? See her, her, the fact that she was bent over wasn't the issue. That was an issue that was causing her not to be straight. And what Jesus does is he heals that issue. She dealt with that issue for 18 years. And Jesus said, woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. And she wrestled with some 18 years and she got free. I got to pause for the cause to deal some hope right here. Yep, I got to pause for the cause to deal some hope. And I want to let you know it doesn't matter if it's been 38 years, if it's been 18 years, if it's been 12 years. Just because it hasn't been changed doesn't mean it can't be changed because Jesus is a change specialist. That's what a miracle is. That's what an anomaly is. It's God using God's ability to demonstrate and to display. I can alter stuff that couldn't be altered until I got involved with it. (laughs) Because God is a change specialist. This is a biblical truth. But it is not always our experience. Well, let me put it this way. This is a biblical truth. It's not, it hasn't always been my experience. Why? Because it's one thing to know about God's ability to change something. It's another thing for us to experience change. It's one thing to know about God's power to change, but it's another thing to know the path to change. God has power to change, but he gives paths to change. I want you to catch this. And I believe this passage here in Genesis is going to help unpack and explain and explore what I mean here. Here it is, because there are some things, this is God's path to change. There are some things that cannot be altered until other things are altered. There are certain things that cannot be altered until other things are altered. What are you saying, Darius? There are certain things that cannot be altered with an E until other things get altered with an A, altered, A-L-T-E-R-E-D, right? There are certain things that can't be altered with an E until things get altered, A-L-T-A-R-E-D, with an A. There's what are you talking about? Well, this word, alter, is used throughout Scripture primarily, not exclusively, but primarily in the Old Testament. They were instruments that were used for exchanges with 
God. The, 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 they were used for a number of purposes, but one of the primary purposes of altars in the Bible was to serve as a place of exchange, of offering and appearances. It's a place where people brought things to God as a way of saying, I love you more than this. It's when people brought things to God saying, I won't change more than I want this. The ultimate expression of altars is seen in the New Testament with Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus saying, God, I love your people more than my own life. That's the ultimate expression of an altar. But I want you to catch this family. The, the, the cross, the cross is the ultimate expression of an altar. And the cross does not just exist so that we can benefit from it. The cross exists so that we can learn from it. This is what Jesus said. If any person is going to follow me, this is what they've got to do. Deny themselves. That's altered. Take up the cross and follow me. This is, again, for my note takers, for my typers. Write it down, take a picture, whatever you want to do here. Watch this. We can be saved because God put Jesus on the altar. We can only be changed when we put something there. Listen to me. We can be saved because God put Jesus on the cross. But we can only be changed. When we put something there, in other words, some change doesn't happen because of what we start doing. Some change only happens because of what we stop doing, what we put on the altar. In this text here in Genesis, our foundational text, I know some of you are wondering, when is he going to get to that? Our foundational text here in Genesis is an incredible example of what I'm trying to articulate. It describes an experience in the life of a biblical character named Abraham. And I think the content context is really important if we're going to wrap our head around the content here. It's important to know how we ended up in Genesis 22. So I want you to summarize, I want to summarize the story real quick so you can kind of see some of my points. Abraham is married to a woman named Sarah and they want to have a child. They're unable to do so. And the scriptures are clear that God makes a promise to them that they're going to have a child. The issue is Abraham's like 75 years old when God makes this promise. So God makes the promise. They don't initially believe it. They have to wait 25 more years until they actually experience the fulfillment of this promise. Now, this teaches us something. Now, I believe this was a literal historical act. I believe in medical anomalies in terms of meaning what the Bible calls miracles. I've, I've seen them um, d- directly. I've, I've heard of them from people that are credible to me. Um, I think there are a lot of things that we would call miracles if we did not have some of the language that we have now. To, to explain the goodness and the greatness and the glory of God. So I believe that this was a historical act. Some people don't believe that, which is, which is fine. Uh, that's where they land. I, I land differently, whatever. It's not that big a deal to me because here's the issue. I don't want you to just, I wouldn't want a person to just understand the event and not get the education, right? It's not just, it's not just did this happen or not literally the question is what is God trying to say to us through this event what's the message here and the message you can take away even if you don't believe in the event the event literally as I do the message you can take away is this that God is able 
to empower you and I to give birth to things in a season where other people think it's too late. <laughs> That's the message where Abraham and Sarah. That's the message there. Not not that someone's going to be 190 and have a baby. I mean, that can happen. But the message is God is able to empower you to give birth to things, to give birth to your dreams, to give birth to your calling, to give birth to things in a season of your life when other people think it's too late. Because we would say naturally, if a woman's 90 years old, her season for childbearing has passed away. But the fact that Sarah is able to give birth to a baby boy named Isaac is an indication that God is the God that is able to do it when you feel like you missed opportunities. I need to pause here and I want to talk to some people who feel like, Pastor Darius, there's some doors that close in my life because of decisions I made. And there are opportunities that I miss because of decisions that I made. And now I'm in a season of life where the, I'm never going to experience that. I want to deal you some hope and I want you to let, I want you to look at Sarah and receive some encouragement from her because she teaches us that God is able to empower you to give birth in a season where people think it's too late. So they finally get this child. After all this time, praying and believing and hoping, they get a baby boy. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God speaks and says to Abraham, say, the thing that you waited 25 years to get, give it back to me. You're actually stewarding him, Abraham. You don't own him. It's mine. (laughs) So whatever time period I allow you to have him, that is a gift of grace because it is something you don't deserve. I know you feel entitled to it. But because I gave him to you as a gift, when I say give him back to me, I'm not being unrighteous. I'm not being insensitive because the fact that you experienced a miracle for however long you experienced it is a gift of grace. Something you should be appreciative for, not entitled to. I know we all struggle with that. I do. He said, I want you to give it back. So the Bible says, I'm sure the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Abraham's state, but I'm sure he wrestled emotionally. I'm sure he wrestled relationally. Um, There's a whole lot we could talk about there. But the Bible says in verse three, he gets up early in the morning. The early the next morning. Because he recognizes, I believe I got to obey God when I got the strength to do it. I got to do it when I'm strong, because I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it when I'm when I'm weak. When it comes to hard things, you got to do it when you got the energy and the insight and the motivation and the inspiration to do it. Text tells us he gets up early in the morning, he loads the donkey. Puts Isaac on it because in Jewish nomenclature, the donkey is a metaphor for fleshly, rebellious part of man. And in order to obey God, sometimes you got to saddle our donkeys. We all got a stubborn part of us, a little donkey in us. You can't get rid of it, but you got to load it down. You got to weigh it down so that it's under your control. And the Bible says he tells the people that are with him once he gets to a certain part, stay here 
while me and my son go to worship. What is this teaching us? It's teaching us that we all get to a place and space in life where your obedience is going to separate you from people who have walked with you to a certain point. He says, stay here while me and the boy go up to worship. That's not a statement of deception. I think it's, it's, it's a statement of conviction. It's his belief that somehow, some way, God's going to give him a boy back. So Abraham did. Remember, everything in the Bible is about Jesus. Jesus is all in the Bible in types and shadows and metaphors. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. He's all in the Bible. It's Jesus' story. Here it is. So Abraham does metaphorically to his son what God the Father does to his son. He puts him on the altar about to sacrifice him. Bible says he didn't just put Isaac on the altar. He tied him down. Because <laughs> when you alter some things, you got to tie it down. Because when it comes to giving up things, we don't want to give up. All of us have a tendency to be Indian givers. He ties it down. And then all of a sudden, he's getting ready to sacrifice his son. And God says, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't, don't do it for real. (laughs) Now I know you love the gift giver more than the gift. Now I know you have not made an idol out of my generosity. Now I know you recognize that Isaac can never do for you what I can. And he says, Don't do any harm to the boy. And Abraham looks up. He sees a ram in the thickets and he sacrifices the ram. The rams, the ram is caught in the thickets, caught in the thickets. Look at Look at that. He's caught in the thickets, caught in the thickets. Divine provision caught when when God's got something for you, he'll make it get caught in the thickets. And Abraham sacrifices that ram. (laughs) Listen to this. And names the place Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. And you know what? When you read the rest of the story, you'll see Abraham, he alters his son and his life gets altered. What happens? The Bible says that God says to Abraham, oh, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your descendants. The trajectory of your life is about to be altered. So Abraham was altered with an E. Don't miss this because he altered something with an A. And this reveals this powerful principle family of what Isaac represents. He represents something that at times we want to keep, that we must be willing to give up if we want to experience change, altered, sacrifice. Some things have to be sacrificed if we're going to change, right? Some conversations have to be sacrificed. Some negativity, some exposure to negativity is going to be sacrificed, has to be sacrificed if I want to have a positive mind, right? Some exposure to bad news, right? You can't control it, but you, you can be informed without being obsessed. I got to sacrifice maybe some, some exposure to bad news if I want to have peace, Come on. Um, Some habits have to be sacrificed. Going some places have to be sacrificed. Watching and listening certain things have to be put on the altar and sacrificed. It's got to be altered with an A if I want to be altered with an E. So maybe the thing that I want to change isn't changing because of the other things that I don't want to change 
that need to. Think about that. So maybe the negativity in my mind isn't changing. Because I'm trying to change the negativity in my mind and I'm not willing to change my exposure to the things that put me in a negative mindset. Because that might mean I may have to put some relationships on the altar. Say in this season in my life, (laughs) I'm in the midst of a global pandemic. I need to be fueled by faith. I got to put that on altar. Whatever the issue is. Maybe, maybe we're trying to change the issue. When we should be changing, should be altering Isaac. I'm done here, but there are three things I want to share with you that we must alter if we're going to be altered here. We all have to look at specifically what this means for us. I want to give you some general direction. Number one, you got to you got to be willing to alter what you want. So that you can get what you need. Alter what you want for what you need. Hmm. Number two, must be willing to alter what you value for what you value more. Alter what you value for what you value more. Oh, I, I value my time with this person, but do you do you value peace of mind more? And last but not least, you must be willing to alter what you like for what you can't live without. Jim Elliott puts it this way. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Abraham did this with Isaac. And because he was willing to alter what needed to be altered, God gave him numerous descendants and still let him keep the son. Because (laughs) when you give up what you're supposed to give up, what you gain is always greater in value, even if you don't gain the same thing in its same expression. Change can happen. But instead of just leaning on God to help alter some things with an E, We need God to help us alter some things with an A. And you cannot do this without God's help. It requires strength that only comes with the relationship with Jesus Christ. And that power is available to all of us. Not just the person of Jesus. Come on. Not just the principles of Jesus. But the power of him. He wants to help us. He's going to help you today. Let me pray for you. So, Father, I just pray right now in Jesus name for everyone who's receiving this message. I pray for those that feel stuck in the disappointment and and the discouragement that comes with being stuck, the frustration that they have with themselves, the confusion that they have sometimes even about you. I just pray right now. I've been there and I just pray now that you give them clarity, that you give them comfort and consolation. I thank you for this. I thank you that the price has been paid for this through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And may this be more than just a biblical truth. May it be our experience in Jesus name. Amen.